0: We acknowledge and respect the first humans of the unceded land we call San Francisco, the Ohlone. We condemn the genocide of these and other tribes across the Western Hemisphere. We honor their legacy and history, and we support rematriation and sovereignty efforts. Hello, and welcome to Storied San Francisco, a podcast all about the people and places that make this city unique. I'm Jeff Hunt, and I'll be your host. This episode picks up where we left off in part one. Good Vibrations staff sexologist Carol Queen continues our chat about Joni Blank and the founding of Good Vibrations. Originally a tiny spot near the women's building in the Mission, today they have expanded to having multiple stores on both coasts. There was so much great stuff that we had to cut out for time. So look for a bonus episode this Thursday. Here's Carol.
1: I moved here in uh, I think it was early 86. No, mid-86. Okay. Okay. Mid-86. I I got through my I got through my undergraduate years finally, 13, it took me 13 years. Good Mm -hmm. God. Mm -hmm. I kept dropping out. Yeah. Many things were important to get done and Schoolwork wasn't all of it, and uh, I only just self-diagnosed with ADHD a year ago, so okay. <laughs> everything makes sense in retrospect. Yeah, and um, and I moved to the Bay. I took about a year going, God, this is a city, isn't it? Woo! Look at whoa! Look at those big tall buildings!" Mm. And uh, and then started at the institute, and Got then, it. then my path was pretty well i didn't know it yet exactly, but my path mm-hmm. was was laid out before me once I walked in the door of that place, then the connections that I began to make are the connections that brought me here for right. sure
0: okay yeah, yeah. and I, the, the reason I like to talk about you know first impressions and and just ideas of the, that people have about the place I like to know i'm a transplant as well, mm-hmm. and I like to know other people's like you know what you come here with in your mind and and then what that turns into, and it's not, you know, you, you, if you if you leave a little bit of space for an open mind, all sorts of things can happen. I also want to say, I've never heard anyone describe the place as miraculous, and I love that. Thank you.
1: People say, oh, it's really different. It's all, it's all it used to be. Well, it's not. It's not. Nothing is that like is it correct. used to attest. be. That yep. is yep. That is all true. And if yep. I can, if you asked me when I go back to the 70s, and- if you ask me if I would go back to the 80s or 90s, I would probably say yes, honestly. Mm. There were things about about the city at those times that that were extraordinary um, history-building moments. Today in the city, the history-building is going on down at Twitter and it's mm. it's D de, mm-hmm. it's devolutionary, right? Mm-hmm. But but right now I still drive across the Bay Bridge or the Golden Gate Bridge into San Francisco and say, wow, I live here. Mm-hmm. And the light is still beautiful. Oh, yeah. And this place has a history that this moment doesn't erase. And it has oh. a future that we built.
0: Mm-hmm. So... Together.
1: That's, that's to how I feel about it.
0: Tent that I would personally go back to, let's say, the 80s or the 90s, um, my thing is, like, I, I want to see those times in different places, and especially here, as adult me. Right. The places where I right. was a teenager and was forming, right. the era, you know, in my early 20s. Like, I, I want to see those places in those times as me now.
1: I know. I know. That's What a
0: trip that would be.
1: That, that's an exciting idea. To and... maybe
0: appreciate it differently or mm-hmm. to understand it differently. Mm-hmm. and But, you know, because we can't time travel, I guess all we can do is hold on to the past, preserve the past, study
1: the past. Study it, try to talk to study the people that. who were there and 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 filter their their memories into things that we can understand and talk about and, and add to the discourse now
0: to make it all make sense.
1: Well, one <laughs> of the things that I've been saying for a long time, decade at least now, is, you know, the history didn't start with the internet. Mm-hmm. But the way we try to understand practically anything now is mediated by the internet, mm-hmm. which you know brings us a lot of options and perspectives and things that would have been hard. You know, we would have had to go to the library at least mm-hmm. to to get into that space before. But now, but now, if it didn't get documented when it happened and it wasn't a big deal enough to have been documented after the fact you lose the history on the internet is very, very broad. It's not very deep. And people people need to understand, especially activists today, that there have been activist forebears, busy, busy, busy mm-hmm. activist mm-hmm. forebears mm-hmm. for many decades. And and you know, I stand on the shoulders of people who got things done that Allowed me to have the life I've had.
0: Right. We should right
1: never forget that. Who were the, who were the really freaking brave people mm-hmm. who stepped up when, it, when you could still get thrown in an insane asylum mm-hmm. easily mm-hmm. for being who we were. So yeah. I, I want no one to forget that that's been the path because that also makes today, a little less surprising, and allows us to think there must be a strategy because there's already been a strategy, and we got to marriage quality through this kind of nonsense. Through them,
0: a hundred percent, So
1: I hate that we have to do it again. Jeez, seems like a waste of energy. But on the other hand, clearly, it's not a waste of energy. What else are we gonna do?
0: Right. Those were the folks who, to the extent that they were envisioning, they were envisioning now.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Well, Carol, I think that's all the questions I had up to the point where you got your foot in the door at good vibrations. Can we maybe pick up there? Yes. Okay, let's hear that story.
1: So in order to understand what I got my foot in the door of, <laughs> let me just tell you tell you the origin the origin myth of good vibrations. Sure. I don't think it's a myth either. I think it's real. Right. <laughs> so uh, Joni Blank turned out after Joni Blank died. She died a few years ago. Uh, it turned out after she died, learning even a little more about her than I already knew, that she had been on some kind of enemies list for being pro-choice mm. before Roe, B, Roe v. Wade. Like She'd, a J. Edgar Hoover. Well, yeah, kind or of thing, some, or? some some list of let's let's watch Oops. those activist gals I mean, kind of <laughs> list and i'm sure that they were all they were all watched we know that from the james documentary right. and anyway Joni was um interested in sexuality as well as reproductive justice and as so many of us were she was a feminist she and you know this was the second wave feminism this was i didn't say much about second wave feminism before but it was pretty exciting discourse and
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know it was it, the mix of second wave feminism included you know the, the people that we now know, understand and and call turfs all the way to people who you know wanted to to shake up the patriarchy completely but then come out the other end having everyone you know being able to masturbate to orgasm and dancing in the streets mm-hmm. there was there's a lot of a lot of points of view a lot of a lot of agendas <laughs> yeah. some of which would not actually fit on any agenda any of us could ever write down. And Choney, uh became involved in San Francisco Sex Information, the sex hotline, which uh, still exists in some form today. I was involved in it back in the late 80s, early 90s too. Uh, she was involved in, and here's where the myth starts, a group of Women who came together at UCSF, the medical school, University of California, San Francisco. Mm -hmm. The med school had a pre-orgasmic women's group led by Lonnie Barbach, the famed feminist sex therapist, who wrote uh, probably one of the very first books about female orgasm. Mm -hmm. And Joni was one of the, the facilitators in these groups. And she heard over and over again, when they got to about the second or third week of the group, and suggested that the women who had already disclosed how little they knew about arousal, how little they mm. knew about their own bodies, how really little partners knew about any of that, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So, so implicating sex education and repression and lack of information, it went into the problem. We, we did that. We got the sociology out of the way the first couple of weeks. Then we're suggesting masturbation and vibrator masturbation because masturbation with a vibrator is an efficient way mm-hmm. to masturbate it's not the only way right not everyone likes how it feels but many people do yeah. and, and it's efficient so uh people who thought they couldn't have orgasms are often shown when they use a vibrator that oh I
0: can Lo and I behold I
1: have one yes yeah. i could maybe i could have more maybe i could have them in different ways and 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 then they're on their path.
0: Right. And that changes. everything. It changes everything because people
1: who couldn't have orgasms, certainly women in those days, were like, "Well, oh, I guess there's something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. There's something wrong with the state of sex education, and right. you know, and sexism. That's those are the kinds of things that you really ought to be, you know, sparing your ire for, not yourself right. and your 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 problems and flaws, because that's not why you're having this experience or not having this experience. <laughs> right. To be clear, right. so. So go check out a vibrator and come back and tell us how it went. Mm-hmm. And the women would be all, oh, I could never go into one of those places. Mm. And now let's just be clear that in the 1970s, there were plenty of women who went into those places. They weren't afraid of them. Or if they were afraid of them, they were like, I'm on a vibrator anyway. <laughs> I would go in and I would be like, oh, oh. This is so sexist. What do they carry? Mm. <laughs> I
0: was
1: one of those. I was one of those. I'll cross that line. I crossed a couple lines already. I'll cross some more now. Because <laughs> I think that that's part of the whole, the whole you know, the, the, the arc of my life is crossed a line. Huh. Didn't die. Let's try another one. Let's try, try yeah, another now. one. Yep. Let's try another one. And so and so here I am with you today. It's been, it's been fabulous line crossing uh, that, that, that led me here. The path has been wiggly, but it has been a path. And so Joni heard people say this over and over again. Well, I could never come into, go into one of those places. And she knew what they meant. She meant dirty bookstores, mm-hmm. right? And she was like, we need a different kind of of place. Mm-hmm. Now, there was already one different kind of place that existed in the United States. It was Eve's Garden in New York. Mm-hmm. I mentioned Betty Dodson, the mother of masturbation before. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually, she was mainly its very best influencer. I don't think she invented mm-hmm. it herself, but mm-hmm. when she discovered it, she, she, was, she knew she had something important to communicate uh, to the world about.
0: She had her, she <laughs> had her finger on something. Yes!
1: <laughs> I think we On the pulse, without the pulse, we wouldn't have engorgement. Mm -hmm, Yeah, yeah, I think we, I, yes, that's
0: right. Got my pun in.
1: You got your (laughs) pun in, and it's a good one. Betty Dodson had spoken about masturbation to a National Organization for Women conference in the early 70s, and there was a a woman there who went, Oh, I think I'll go get a vibrator. That sounds like a good idea. Mm, So she went to Macy's. Oh, and uh, she went to the home you know the personal care aisle or the small appliance aisle or you know wherever all of these things that are in the antique vibrator museum used to be sold before there were any sex shops at all right right because right. they were integrated into the world of consumables as far back as the turn of the 20th century okay. so anyway I all that I did not expect that old school these things are nobody yeah. nobody knows except the people who like found out since mm-hmm. but the important thing was that this woman, whose name was Dell Williams, walked into Macy's, found a pile of vibrators, picked up a magic wand, I believe it was, took it to the counter, and the staff member behind the counter said, what are you going to do with this? Mm-hmm. And she was like, I'm getting sexually harassed mm. in Macy's in the small
0: appliance <laughs> aisle. Well, they
1: didn't, they didn't start using the word sexually harassed for another couple of years. That came from... Cornell, I think, but anyway she was like I don't want other women to have this experience. Mm. I'm tough enough, but I don't want the, I don't want those shy women to have to come in here and get sexually harassed. Mm. I'm going to start a place. So she started Eve's Garden, Eve's Garden in New York. Okay. Joni knew about it. I'm okay. sure, but there was nothing on the West Coast except a right. few dirty bookstores. And you know, in yeah. San Francisco, they were mostly gay dirty yeah. bookstores. Yeah. So that doesn't mean that they wouldn't have been, you know, erotically completely irrelevant for women because there are some women who like that stuff, but, right. but they're, maybe one of them, <laughs> but, but they there they they were, and Johnny was like, this is what I need to do. I need to make a space where women feel comfortable coming to ask their questions, to look at the curated display of, I don't know, about six sex toys to begin with. Mm-hmm. And her very first store was about the size of a postage stamp in the yeah. Mission District. It was not too far away from the women's building. It was okay. sort of a women's neighborhood in the
0: 70s. Then the mission, what oh, year? Se- um, 1977.
1: 77. Yeah, okay. in, about, in about a month, close to a month, we'll be having our 44th anniversary. 45th, 45th anniversary, 40- that's right. Six. Six. Oh, whatever. <sighs> I, can't I can't do math in my head right now. I'm thinking about history, I'm not thinking about math. Anyway, 1977 in March, um, it, Ocento, the women's bathhouse was nearby. The um, Artemis, the women's cafe, was nearby. There was a women's bookstore. It was if there was a a women's nabe. It was along
0: Valencia. The mission was kind of Dyke Central, and
1: it was kind of Dyke Central. And, and it was. I mean, kind of
0: like the wi- the women identifying answer to the Castro. Exactly. In a way. You
1: know, there's Castro. There's a, a couple of hills with nice houses on them. There's Dolores Park and then there's women's, women's Landia. Yeah. yeah. And then of course there's other Landias very, very, very nearby and, and, yeah. and, uh, and Woven throughout because it was clearly the mission was already a Latinx neighborhood back then as right, well
0: right, right,
1: So Joni starts her postage stamp of a store with a handful of vibrators lubricant That was important. Mm-hmm. You couldn't just get lubricant easily in those days. So right. that was a big deal and uh, Some books and some I, I went on a visit to San Francisco in probably 83 or 84 that good vibrations. Then you went to that good vibration store. Okay. And it was teeny tiny and it was mind blowing. Mm. And um, it just got bigger and more mind blowing. And mm-hmm. now there are you know multiple, multiple stores on a couple of coasts, and it's still mind blowing if you've never been. Right. I mean, right. maybe it's mind blowing to everyone, but it certainly is mind blowing if you've never been into a place where, in a shame-free way, all the things are mm-hmm. just sitting out. Not in a pile in their boxes like Dale Williams discovered in Macy's, but <laughs> out on the shelf where you can turn the vibrator on and check out how it vibrates. That was an innovation that Joni had that was a really important one because mm-hmm. who knew what this what these things even were in those days, except those people who still owned one of these vibrators that we're sitting amongst today. Oh, right. That they, they had knew. acquired in nineteen fifty eight. Yeah. So There was uh, the Vibrator uh, Museum born also because Joni had a few of these antiques herself. uh, Flea markets and such Uh. was where you could get them in those days. Now it's eBay, of course. Mm -hmm. Or people donate them to us. They come Mm. in with a brown paper bag, set it on the counter and say, Found this in my grandma's house. (laughs) (laughs) so
0: that's good they made the connection there no it's that's great.
1: super sweet they're like this is important somehow is there a <laughs> place for it yes there is there a place is. for it many of the things that you see around you in this five museum got donated okay. by people so that's that's pretty sweet about six vibrators on a little tiny shelf I think it might have been an old encyclopedia shelf from you know the 1920s. With a sign above it that said antique vibrator museum
0: Mm. this is at the the postage size yes and shop
1: and it's and a postage stamp sized museum
0: okay (laughs) right
1: and i felt a little bad for the people who came from far far away Mm. (laughs) to see the museum (laughs) only find there were only six things in it but were there those six things in the museums in their their hometown no you gotta start somewhere you gotta start somewhere so here we are now but but the, was
0: that first museum? Was that also Joni's idea? Or? Yeah, that okay. was
1: that was Joni wanted people to understand and remember. She was really aiming at a, an audience of women. Mm-hmm. So, so I want to say something complicate that in a second. But let me answer, answer your question. Joni's idea with this museum was to help women understand that this wasn't a brand new thing mm. that no women had ever experienced or explored before mm-hmm. that there were generations of use of vibrators on the part of some women we, again we don't know we don't know if, if grandmas only got these mm. to you know work on their lumbago or whatever it was <laughs> and didn't know about the clitoris
0: mm, and right. the
1: vibrator and the clitoris or if many, many of the women who had vibrators back in the day knew perfectly well what it was that they had, and just said, "Oh, my lumbago, got to have one of these," and went <laughs> home and did what they did. Yeah. So, so we'll never know that. This, yeah. this information is, you know, if it was in all the letters and diaries, the you know great grandkids took it out and back and threw it in the dumpster. And it's gone. But we do know that. Plenty of women in the 70s were like, oh, that's kind of technological and it's it's, it's a machine. Mm. It's like, yes, the machine is your friend if you mm-hmm. want it to be. Mm-hmm. So years before Siri started talking to us <laughs> about the meaning of life, there were little <laughs> machines that could help us have orgasms. And Joni wanted to make sure That women understood that that they weren't being asked to change human nature completely Mm -hmm. there in the 1970s. Mm -hmm. Now, we weren't at the end of of history yet. We were living in history, Mm -hmm. as we used to say. Mm -hmm. And we still are, but... was really a meaningful phrase in those days. Now, Joni made good vibrations for women, but almost immediately, men started showing up, putting their nose around the door. You know, that kind of Kilroy was here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> their fingertips mm-hmm. and their nose stick in the door, saying, "Can I come in here?" You know, I don't like those other places either. Oh, okay. Well, who knew? Because those other places were made by men for men, and they must have been perfectly pleasing to men because men got what they wanted and you know there was this sort of there's a little bit of a simplistic through line about patriarchy plus in in 1970s feminism without delving too deeply into late stage capitalism Mm. and and it wasn't until the anarcho-feminists of the 1980s that Mm -hmm. we got a, a little more sophisticated understanding about why the places were the way they were in the first place and why men might also have as many questions about sex as women had, which wasn't the way that, that the, the, the discourse and the understanding was unraveling. Okay. And instead we got, well, the men made the store that they wanted and you well, that's, you know, that's too simplistic. And plenty of men were like, we like what you've done here. Is there anything for me? And you were like yes, you can buy this one of six vibrators and put it on the head of your penis and it'll feel great. Mm-hmm. Which which was true as far as it went. Right. And eventually, the, both the industry and the way that Good Vibrations did things caught up with, oh, we are a place for people of all genders who want what we offer. Mm-hmm. And so let's see what we might not be carrying that they would want. And here we are now. It's, you know... It's the 21st century and we're a little bigger partly because of that exact embrace of diversity and sexual experience, which nobody who started Good Vibrations had a full um, scope on. But then nobody comes through the educational system in the United States with a full scope on this. Maybe a few do now, but that's not what it's set up for. And even even then, as we've talked about, it's under attack now. Yeah. So Joni needed to understand this through the point of view of people who were like, "We appreciate this, but listen, there's more to it than this." Mm. And um,
0: the spectrum is broad. Uh. I
1: I so appreciated <laughs> yeah. hearing this part of the yeah of the story when yeah. I got my foot in the door because of course this this rang. A bell to me of the oh you'll stop being bisexual when you figure out who you really are nonsense Mm -hmm. and allowed me to say you know I might I might have a role to play in the way that we develop and think about these things so I, I started working here in 1990
0: Wow okay um, at the the, at, the spot in the mission. At or? the spot
1: in the mission, which by that time had moved to a like a four postage stamp sized store. I was. It's, it's where the Buffalo Exchange is now. I think it was on down um,
0: Valencia. Yeah,
1: Valencia and, and uh, 23rd. Third? right? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was its. That was the third location. They moved into that. They moved into that store. Um, a month before the Loma Prieta earthquake, Susie okay. Bright was still working there at that time, mm-hmm. the great uh, the great feminist pornographer, and then some, uh, Susie Bright, who was, who was a staff member throughout the 80s. And uh, she said, yeah, we moved in just in time for the quake to knock all Everything. the shelf models off oh, of the little shelves. No. Oh, yeah, a lot of vibrators on the floor to pick up. but mm-hmm. You know, we all picked up after the Loma Prieta and isn't moved that, on, right? Isn't that what
0: they say earthquakes do is vibrate?
1: <laughs> well, they do.
0: <laughs> so the earth was like, you think that's a vibrator.
1: Yeah. <laughs> we'll show you. So so the, the, there's two kinds of vibration that we talk about routinely, and one of them is um, is buzzy. Okay, But one of them is a much deeper kind of sort of a surface vibration hmm. doesn't, doesn't penetrate. If Are you we talking will.
0: earthquakes or sex?
1: We're talking about sex. Although, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're, talk, we're talking about vibrators. Um, Good. And then there's the, the, the more, um, the, the deeper vibration that is stronger or, a um, a vibrator with a larger head is going to, mm-hmm. going to get more area and, mm-hmm. and send the vibration. A little deeper, deeper. And, and deeper sensation, d- different sensations come from these two kinds of vibration.
0: Okay.
1: Earthquakes are much more like the, <laughs> the deeper kind. Not exactly like, yeah. you know, if, if somebody gets through their next fairly large earthquake by, you know, ducking, covering, holding on and pressing their body to the and ground having to an see orgasm. what happens <laughs> and, But overcoming your fear of sex and experiencing something that seems out of control to you, Mm -hmm. which of course is an issue for many Mm people—not all, but Um, many—and these days, maybe even more so, when people think they're looking at sex ed documentary when they're watching porn, they're not documentaries. Yeah, let's get some media literacy here. Oh wait. We're not allowed to have media literacy or books in our libraries either. Okay, so <laughs> I'm sorry, I just keep coming back to the present. I'm trying to, trying okay. to talk history with you. It's okay. And in fact, uh, the most radical thing that Joni probably did was making sure that what we did at Good Vibrations when anybody walked in the door was to greet them comfortably and be a comfortable person to show them around, answer their questions. And that is a model that so many people have never had. Mm-hmm. The number of people who walk in here and we get to the point in the discussion where we find that they have never spoken to their sex partner, mm. life partner sometimes, mm-hmm. about the things they're asking us. right. Is is still mind blowing to me because yeah. theoretically there are resources around us now. We're not the only one. There was a moment when people might have thought we were the only sex resource. Even then, it wasn't true. But we were the most
0: commercial, Vis- the most visible. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And and still, it takes a certain degree of nerve to walk in the door. Johnny used to have the windows completely obscured. You couldn't oh. look inside the store, and right.
0: Like, why not Joni open be it. proud yeah.
1: and you know and, and we do know we, it is open now yeah. but Joni was like you have no idea how many women will not walk in this place if they, they think seen. someone can look in the window and yeah. see them here and we those women need us more than the ones who were, you know, like holding up the vibrator for all to see and yelling, I found my, you know, I found my girlfriend, Wanda. Right, right. Those people will find things to do sexually because they're open to it in a particular kind of way that other people don't know is possible for them. The vibes that we send out are intended to affect what's possible regardless of whether anybody catches one and gets the message from it, oh, I must go to that store and acquire a sex toy. Mm -hmm. That's not the message, although it's a wonderful effect that keeps us around and Mm -hmm. functioning. Mm -hmm. You know, we do have a level of social change consciousness that unlike so much of the social change consciousness that's politicized and and divisive, is intended to be relevant to anyone Mm -hmm. over 18 who can use it because it's really probable that plenty of the people who are acting in ways that feel painful to us and to the concerns that we have for our diverse customer base are themselves miserable in many ways. Mm. And I don't know if a vibrator would fix any of that, right. but maybe it couldn't hurt. And knowing that there are people who live lives where they are told that they can't change, express themselves, be who they are, do drag in Brazil and then run for Congress,
0: mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: Etc. Yeah, means that there's backwash that impacts everyone. Yeah, that's the case, then maybe we can make an alternate space with a little bit of backwash of our own. That sounds unhygienic. I don't mean
0: it to. <laughs> it's OK. <laughs> I get your point.
1: And that, I think, is the, I mean, I, I think that was the deep, The deep understanding that Joni, I don't know know whether she would have said in those terms, maybe not, but I think that she understood that that was what we could do to make a difference. And, you know, since I showed up and so many other amazing people have worked here over the course of the last four-plus decades, we care deeply about the cultural impact of not being shame-based, giving people an alternative to that.
0: That was Carol Queen, staff sexologist at Good Vibrations. Don't miss a bonus episode of our talk with Carol this Thursday. And next week, we visit with folks from the Manila Town Heritage Foundation to learn about the history of the iHotel. Music for Storied San Francisco was produced, performed, and curated by Otis McDonald. Michelle Kilfeather does original photography for us. Aaron Lim of Bitch Talk Podcast is our contributing producer and the show is produced and hosted by me, Jeff Hunt now in our fifth season we have more than 200 episodes available on our website storiedsf.com or wherever you listen to podcasts if you're able to please rate and review the show and drop us a line at storiedsf at gmail.com thanks for listening Stay strong, weird, and healthy. And we'll see you next time on Storied San Francisco.
1: This podcast is a proud member of the BFF.fm podcast network. Learn more at podcasts.bff.fm.
0: BFF.fm, best frequencies forever.